Good evening. Today is Tuesday, February 15th, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is Into Action, and our speaker tonight is Lisa O. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you very much, Melissa. Uh, my name is Lisa O. I'm a compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Um, before I get into step seven, I thought I'd take a couple minutes to qualify um, to show that I do belong here in a way. Um, I think that the only part of the big book that I don't resonate with is the line where Bill says that um, perhaps if, the, if we had intervened with uh, certain drinkers early enough, they might not have become problem drinkers. Uh, for me, my mom has told me repeatedly that I was never happier than when I was sitting in my high chair with some Cheerios. And so I don't know for me, like how much early you'd have to intervene to get me to not be a compulsive overeater, but I think we'd be talking like early infancy. Um, growing up, uh, I did not have a great um, upbringing and food kind of became my, became my mother, my father, my best friend. It became... Um, what love was for me for a really long time. Um, I started gaining weight when I was about eight or nine years old. Um, when I, by the time I was 10, uh, I had to shop in the women's section because the girls section didn't fit me anymore. Um, and my weight just kind of ballooned until I was about 14 or 15 years old. And then um, I started dieting then. And I realized very quickly that if I started dieting, I got so much positive feedback um, from my mother and from other people about how great I was doing. So all of a sudden, um, my disease became more about controlling and being very rigid around how I looked. Um, so when I was 16, I joined my first gym and that was when the compulsive exercising part of my disease started. Um, so I, my weight did go up and down. I've been up as high as 200 pounds twice. I've been down as low as 115 pounds twice. And I've been everywhere in between. I've gained and lost those pounds in between those numbers. I've gained and lost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of weight um, over the course of my life. Um, but because I was always within a certain threshold, it kind it always looked to other people like I had things under control, even though I totally did not. It was kind of like the Wizard of Oz, where when the curtain is pulled back on the wizard, it's just actually this like sad man who's frantically dealing with all of these like levers and dials. And that was definitely me. If you pulled the curtain back, everything was just a crazy out of control mess. Um, but from the outside, it looked like I had, I looked great. I was always fit and exercising. I ate really well that as far as other people saw anyway. Um, and that was how things were. And I, about five years before I actually started attending away, I discovered the program and I would go on the website, like every few months and tell myself like I'm not really that bad I don't think that's for me remember one time like printing off the 12 steps and I pinned them up at my board at work to try to like absorb the information I guess through osmosis um, but it didn't really work obviously um, and I spent I spent the past like five or six years as I kept going on the website trying to do every other thing I could possibly do to stop the binging and the compulsive exercising because it has been destroying my body um, I'm 38 years old. I am now pre-diabetic because of what I've done to myself. I have arthritis in my feet because of what I've done to myself. I have injuries all over my body because of what I've done to myself. And uh, eight months ago, 
nine months ago, um, I just got to the limit of what I was, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And what brought me into the rooms wasn't some big event. It was that I lost a bunch of weight in the pandemic and the pound started creeping back up again. And I was like, I can't do this again. Like I cannot do this again. Um, so I came in and ever since then, it's just been, it's been incredible. It's, I, they say that OA is the last house on the block. And I am so glad that I got to that last house because it's the house where I feel like I finally come home. Um, and I am so grateful to be here to talk about sex step seven and to share some experience, strength, and hope around that. Um, step seven and step six, they're the shortest steps in the book. Uh, they're each only about one paragraph. And I heard once in a meeting that this is because the entire book is really about step six and seven. Um, and we're going to kind of park step six because somebody else has talked about that. And we're going to focus on step seven. Um, step six and seven are the steps that I have struggled the most with, uh, steps two and three were really no problem for me. It's just like, believe there's a power done, make a decision to turn my life over. No problem. But then to have to ask that power to do things for me, it was like, hold up, wait a minute, like back it up. I'm like, we're not, I'm not okay with this. Um, and again, like, I think this comes from the fact that I didn't really have parents or any adult in my life when I was growing up that I felt like I could really trust and rely on, uh, which for me means that relying on a higher power is just not something that comes naturally for me. It feels really scary and uncomfortable. Um, it feels like those trust exercises that you see sometimes where one person is supposed to fall back and be caught by like the person or people around them. Um, I would be the person who's always putting their foot back before I fall because I can't really trust others to take care of me. Like it doesn't feel right and it doesn't feel safe and I've got to do everything by myself. Um, and where has that lack of trust gotten me? Uh, it's gotten me to a place where before coming into program, I would self-isolate all the time. I had very few friends. Uh, I wouldn't let people close to me because if they got close enough, they'd pull back that curtain and they'd see that sad little man or that sad little person frantically trying to maintain the illusion that everything was perfect. Um, and I wanted to keep living that life because I, in that fantasy world where I controlled everything, everything felt secure. And I wanted to live in that place because my like reality with air quotes or story was that the world was a really unsafe place and it was better and uh, more desirable to soothe my feelings of loneliness and sadness with food than to take steps to relieve those feelings by going out into the world and taking the risk that I could be hurt or rejected. Um, and since being in a way, the changes that I've seen in my life have been like profound. Like I'm in a place now where I actually like being around people and people like being around me. And it's like, what is happening? This is not something that I am familiar with. Um, and the reason why this is happening is because I'm slowly clearing out my character defects that have prevented me from being in authentic contact with other people. Um, it has not been a straightforward process for me. There's been a lot of back and forth. There have been many days uh, where one or more than one of my defects comes roaring back. And for me, that's really okay uh, because the character defects don't need to be removed all at once or all together before I can move on with the steps. All in all, um, I feel like I'm really trudging, slowly trudging the road of happy destiny towards a way of life where I will be free one day of my defects because I've stepped back and I've allowed my higher power to relieve me of them.
uh, in preparing for this talk, I've broken step seven into two different parts. The first part being humbly asked him. Um, I really love etymologies of words, like the meanings of them. It's like one of my favorite things. Um, so the, and I also love definitions. So the definition of humble in the Oxford English Dictionary means to um, be having or showing a low estimate of one's own importance, being of low rank of modest pretensions and dimensions. And it derives from the Latin term humilis, which means low or lowly and humus, which means ground. Um, humility and humiliation are not the same thing. And there's a saying that humility doesn't mean thinking less of myself, it means thinking of myself less. Um, humility for me means that I fully acknowledge that there's a power that's higher than me. And regardless of what my conception is of that higher power, uh, I am on the ground together and equal with my fellows, while the higher power is above me and it is guiding me. And that's just it. Humility means that I I'm not the one who's in charge of anything. It means that I'm not asking for my character defects to be removed so that I can be better than other people or be more recovered or more spiritual or more Zen than other people. When my defects are removed, it's not something for me to feel smug or superior about. All it means is that I am now a more efficient and effective servant. That's all it means. Humility also doesn't mean that I am can start looking down on other people who work their programs in a different way than I do, who have relapsed. It's about me getting closer to my higher power and to my higher power only. It's about me trying to clear my side of the street so that I can better serve others. And how other people wanna clear their sides of the street is not my business, unless it's a sponsee and then it's kind of my business. Um, humility means that I need to acknowledge that I have shortcomings and accept that those shortcomings are gonna exist no matter how painful it might be to really see the ways um, that my being in the world can be kind of dysfunctional. Um, character defects like my greediness or my envy, they're things that I don't really like to look about, look at about myself or acknowledge that are there, but they are definitely there. Um, it also means not getting caught up on my character defect of arrogance, which is another big one for me, uh, thinking that I'm better than every other people, that I have everything figured out because I'm so smart and kind of narcissistic, which is another character defect that I have. Um, for me, humility means being willing to take an objective and continuous appraisal of my character defects without getting caught up in the character defect of pride which for me means thinking that I've already dealt with the character defect. So it can't, it's not possible for it to be coming up again. Like that, that's an old situation um, when that's not really at all how it works. It also means being on guard for when new character defects are revealed or when old ones grew up again, which for me happens a lot with my ego. My ego loves to come out to play and get triggered less easily than it used to, but still from time to time. Uh, humility means acknowledging that sometimes my defects are revealed only when I am ready to deal with them or when I'm ready to see a new way that they are in, that they are affecting me. Um, it means that things unfold on my higher powers timeline and not on my timeline. Sometimes I just want things to be fixed and solved right away. And that's just not how this process is going to work. Things get fixed and solved on the way that higher power wants them to happen. Um, and humility also means that sometimes I need to be ready for my character defects to show up in weird and unexpected ways. Um, for me, this comes up a lot with greed in particular. Uh, I am a very greedy person, but my greed shows up a lot in the form of being greedy with myself, um, not wanting to give of myself with, to others because I still 
live in the story sometimes that if I give of myself to others, that means that there will be less of me for me, which is just not how it works. The way it works is that if I give of myself to others, it means that my love and my energy becomes like a perpetual motion machine. And there's just so much more of it to go around. Um, the second part of step two, step seven, sorry, is to remove our shortcomings. The definition of shortcomings, again, in the Oxford English Dictionary is a failure to meet a certain standard, a fault or a defect. There's uh, a British comedian who wrote a book about the 12 steps and it's you know, like an outside issue. So I'm not gonna say the name of the book or the person who said it, but he characterized step seven as, are you willing to live in a new way that is not all about your previous effed up stuff? You have to. And I really love that because it's just like exactly what it's about. Step seven doesn't mean that I'm able to behave however I want to because I've turned things over and my shortcomings are gonna be magically removed by my higher power so there's nothing left for me to do. For me, step seven means that I'm willing to be changed and do the work required to be different because my character defects aren't going to be removed if I keep doing them, no matter which conception of higher power I've turned them over to. If I keep behaving in a narcissistic, prideful and egotistical way, I'm going to keep being a narcissistic, prideful, and egotistical person. Um, I need to keep trying to be better today than I was yesterday and better tomorrow than I am today. Um, characterizing my character defects can also be really difficult and confusing for me because sometimes my shortcomings might not always seem negative to me, or there might be a negative aspect to the shortcoming or character defect, but there are still positive aspects as well, or that the character defect will exist on a spectrum. And having those things removed, it's like, yeah, but there's still, I still want to cling to it when that's not really how it works. Um, an example is that I am quite a perfectionistic person, which is definitely a character defect. Um, and as I was perfectionistically preparing for this talk, I was well aware that my character defect was being triggered because um, for me, perfectionism is about me being better than other people. I don't want to do the best that I can do. I want to do better than everybody else, which means that I need to be totally flawless, which means that perfectionism is completely paralyzing. Perfectionism also exists on the same um, spectrum with being diligent and being a really hard worker. Um, and being a hard worker is for me about wanting to do a good job and wanting to be prepared and wanting the meeting to be worthwhile for the people who have taken the time to show up today. Um, sometimes the line on the spectrum between what's perfectionism and what's being a hard worker isn't really clear. And again, this is where I need to come in and ask my higher power for guidance about whether I'm letting the defect run my life or to give me clarity between um, what is, when am I leaning into perfectionism and when I'm when am I still in the safe territory of just being like a very hard worker and being very diligent? Um, again, this also shows up with my disease. As I said, I'm a compulsive exerciser and exercise, you know, I have definitely used it in a way that's been harmful and damaging. And it's something that's really important for me to stay happy and healthy. The answer to recovering from my, um, my disease is not that I need to become a couch potato the things that need to change are that I don't exercise anymore until I hurt myself. I don't push through pain, causing myself more injuries and more problems. Exercise is a way of loving my body and what my body can do. It's not a way of torturing myself anymore as it was for so many years. Um, the other aspect of the removal of shortcomings that ties both parts of step seven together is that when I humbly ask for my shortcomings to be removed, the method of their removal is not up to me. 
Um, this is relevant for me as I am an extremely stubborn person, another character defect. Um, and sometimes the when with those particular character defects that I think like to think are serving me when they're actually not, my higher power will tap me on the shoulder or send somebody to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, Lisa, you need to be acting differently here. And I'll say, yeah, whatever. I'm good. We got it. And after a couple taps, higher power will come down like the literal hand of God that it is, uh, which means that I'm going to be learning a lesson in a way that is probably going to be very difficult, uncomfortable, and painful. And if I can get to a point of not having to learn those lessons in a difficult and uncomfortable and painful way, that would be great. Um, and yet I am still not there. Uh, one of my character defects is my problem with multitasking. I am a terrible, terrible multitasker. Um, I left, Lisa. Thank you. I like to tell myself that if I'm multitasking, I'm being super duper productive. But the reality is that instead of doing one thing really well, it means I'm half-assing a whole bunch of tasks all at once, doing a bad job on all of them, lying to myself that things are going really well when they're not. Um, this happens a lot with program in particular with meetings where I'll throw a meeting on while I'm trying to do other things and I'm not really paying attention to what's happening in the meeting. And I'm like, well, I'm still getting recovered. It's on in the background. Like we're good. Um, I've, I've, since I've been in a way, I've heard many fellows share in meetings, but how important it is to be really present in meetings. Um, and I've also had people call me on the phone and tell me how important it is to be really present in meetings. And yet I continued the behavior of multitasking and not being fully present uh, while I'm doing a key aspect of my recovery. And then a few weeks ago, I was in an OA meeting during a workday when I got a call from work and I put the meeting on hold so that I couldn't hear it, but I somehow unmuted myself, which meant I broadcasted a confidential work call to the entire meeting and the meeting had to be ended to solve the disruption. Um, and even after that happened, my first thought wasn't, maybe this is a lesson about multitasking. My first thought was that sometimes things happen for no reason. And I'm sure that there's no wider lesson to be learned here because I don't want to change the way I am. Um, and it was only after some reflection that I realized that this was like the big smack in the face about how my multitasking is hurting me in my recovery. And, you know, it's really unfortunate that it took such a hard lesson for me to start learning that I need to really start taking my meetings as seriously as I take my disease. Um, so I'm going to close my remarks uh, by saying that it says that in the AA 12 and 12 that material satisfactions, um, or as I take them to mean anything that acts as a band-aid to help me feel superficially better, are not the purpose of living. The purpose of living is about character building and spiritual values. It's about the difference between happiness and pleasure. Um, pleasure is something that's very superficial. It is what is so highly valued in our consumerist culture. Uh, for me, I used to compulsively overeat foods that were designed to maximally induce pleasure. It was food that had been processed to eliminate all nutritive content so that when I ingested it, it would hit every pleasure center in my brain. Um, pleasure for me is buying things I don't need so that I can feel better. It's surfing the internet to keep the dopamine hit in my brain going so that I can feel happy and good during the day uh, without you know, anything meaningful happening in my life. Happiness, on the other hand, is something that's much more amorphous than pleasure, but for me, it's really the juice of life. It's the yummy stuff, and it's found in the connections that I make with other people. It's found for me in the fellowship, and it's something that um, 
I can, that can best be realized once I'm on the road to clearing away my character defects that I can be with others in a kind, generous and expansive way, rather than in a way where I'm thinking only of myself. I can't really be happy when I'm sticking my head in a bucket of fried chicken or in a pint of ice cream or whatever, because I have that tunnel vision where all that matters is getting rid of my feelings. And I'm not thinking about anything beyond that. Um, happiness and being in a place of happiness means that I'm no longer the human equivalent of a wrecking ball wildly swinging around and wreaking havoc. Oh, there's my timer on everything and everyone around me. And as I said, when I started, since being in program, I've experienced some of the most profound changes in my life. Um, I found and nurtured uh, incredible friendships. I've gotten the best performance review of my job that I've ever had, even though I've been there for almost seven years. Um, and I've been able to connect with people in a way that never would have been possible before. Uh, I say that OA hasn't so much saved my life as given me my life, um, because since being in program, I have my world is just so much more rich and meaningful than it ever was in the past. And with, for that, I am so grateful to OA and for all of you fellows for helping support me on my journey. And with that, I will pass. Amazing. Thank you, Lisa. <clears throat> we will now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're calling in tonight. And the Zoom host, Melissa, will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Melissa, would you please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, Melissa, your show. Thank you, Melissa P. Our first uh, fellow will be Anne L. Go ahead, Anne. My name is Anne. I'm a compulsive reader. Um, I put my hand up quickly because I need to apologize for being late showing up at the meeting. Um, I was having trouble with my connection. Um, I, I really do appreciate, Lisa, your share. I heard um, most of it, I believe. Um, perfectionism, I could very much relate to. Uh, the exercising, I could relate to that. And multitasking, um, I became a, a, a master of multitasking. And um, I have to admit, um, today I, I don't multitask. Um, I'm retired now, so I'm grateful for that. And um, that was really all I had to say. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. Next up, we've got Nancy P. Go ahead. Hi, everybody. Nancy P. Recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Lisa, that was excellent. Um, really spoke to me. Um, I love step seven because, um, well, two things. One, <clears throat> it bookmarks with step three, four, five, and six, right? I organize my thinking in four and, and confirm that it's organized in five. And then they say, okay, are we ready? That's like a whole step. 
and then you pull the trigger in step seven. So they don't, you know, it's like the beginning of the spiritual recovery. And when I say beginning, I don't mean that for my personal experience that I was, that I began to be spiritually recovered at that time. No, I began to experience that it was sort of coming down the road to me. Um, and it's also the beginning of the rest of my life. So at the beginning of the rest of my life, I'm not in the rest of my life, I'm at the beginning. So I see step seven as a turning point. Um, and I love the nows, right? Now, now, you know, now willing, now remove. Um, you know, that's when things happen. I was talking to somebody on the phone today and I was saying that one of the reasons I dislike chasing abstinence, I mean, I personally don't chase it, but I, it makes me sad when people say, beginning on day one, because I don't think that's the point. I say, I told her, I said, you know, we're on a, you know, on a timeline here and time doesn't move backwards and we're all getting older every day. So, you know, step seven is like awesome because, you know, I met every time I read it, every time I go through it with a sponsee, I have another chance to begin a new chapter of my spiritual life. Um, so yeah, I think that's it for me. Thanks. Thank you, Nancy. Next up, we've got Francesca. Go ahead. Oh, uh, thank you, Melissa, for your service. Um, hi, I'm Francesca. Very grateful, compulsive overeater, um, recovering and bulimic. Um, thank you so much, Lisa, for your share. It was just wonderful and um, really just so many things. Um, and relating to like step seven, just this thing of like, I don't like my motive, you know, has to be pure and, and like the humility, like I don't get to get step seven so that I can look down on people, um, which ties into kind of like every, like so many of um, my defects, including perfectionism, which I don't really hear people, or I haven't heard much said in the past about like being perfect is just like, I want to be better than them. Um, and that's like something that just, I mean, in meetings, it's like, wait, I, I don't want to share unless it can be awesome. And then uh, that just can trickle down in all areas of my life. And this thing of um, multitasking has been a huge issue for me um, forever. And it's a delusion that thinking that it works, but also you had me think like, oh, it's also so I can be better than pe people and get more attention. And like, look, and so I can look down on people, be like, well, you should be able to get more work done. Um, and so, yeah, and, and, and having, thank you for sharing that anecdote. Like I've had dangerous things happen while multitasking and I thought, oh man, I could die. Like I'm biking and I'm, and it's like, eh, you know, well, I didn't. Um, and also this thing you said about, I like being around people. And I was like, well, I liked, I always liked being around people if I could control them, if I could judge them, if I could look down on them. And if I was in a place where I wasn't in the food, also I was sometimes going in the bathroom to eat food or, or smoke weed or something. Like if I could make everything to my liking. And then if I, and I didn't like being around them, if I was in the food, it was just like, and I would say any lie like at all um, to make that. And, and like, oh, people like being around me. Like I thought, because I worked so hard and I was like, like, so humble, um, that people should like being around me. And I usually was like, so energetic and stuff. And if I wasn't, if I was on a low, then it's like, I don't, 
I'm not going to be around you. And that's my right. And like F you for thinking I should be around you, even though like your mom died. Like, it's like, it, it was still about me. Like if I didn't want to be around you, like leave me alone, grandma, like leave me alone world and, and everything. So I just really like, um, and just the acceptance that you have of like, it wasn't until you were ready um, to see these things and the humility about like, okay, like I struggle with multitasking and, and moving through that, not like, okay, like I, I struggle with this or, or like, I don't have to be the worst person ever or the best person ever. I just get to be a person. And I um, definitely looked down on other people working their program, even though I've never gotten more than like two months or so of abstinence. Um, it's time. And, oh, thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you for your share, Lisa. Thank you so much, Francesca. Next up, we've got Nancy Z. Go ahead. Can you hear me? There I am. Hi, hey everyone. Um, Nancy recovered compulsivator and bulimic. Grateful to be here today, Lisa. Thank you. Um, yeah, I really truly appreciate you and and your sharing tonight and other times. Just I relate so much to it. And, and this is lately what I've been getting in terms of um, step seven, my character defects is um, I'm on a 10 step train and I get a new partner every two weeks. Yeah, every two weeks. And it is amazing to me that no matter what I'm going through in that two week period of time, my my um, partner, 10 step partner is going through something similar. It's been that way for the last few hookups. Um, and what that tells me, number one, is I'm not alone. And what it also tells me, number two, is that there is a way um, that I don't have to live in misery from those things, from my character defects. For tonight, I'm thinking about, you talked about perfectionism and mine is comparing, and it probably falls in the same like area, but always comparing myself to others and coming up short. Um, and then falling into the victim and victimhood and self-pity of that. And today I had an opportunity to visit our local um, a Goodwill Career Center and it's called the Excel Center. And I got to hear about people who never could graduate from, never graduated from high school and now can go to the center and get their diploma, their core 40 career training and possibly a job. And these are people that have real like problems homelessness, um, abuse, alcohol, physical abuse, all this stuff. And I'm sitting there feeling so humbled that, um, with, and filled with gratitude for what I have today. And then I drove, as I drove home, I was driving down probably one of the poorest streets in town that I'm aware of. And I just looked at each and every house and thought about the person who might live there, you know, and my husband has asked me when I, when I've complained about well, compared to so-and-so and compared to so-and-so, he just looks at me and he says, who are you comparing yourself to? You know, because there are people out there that have a whole lot less and a whole lot, um, a whole lot worse lives than I do. And so, you know, that, that gets me to, uh, I'm willing to change today. I'm willing to change and to not be that constant comparer falling short or feeling superior. It goes both ways. And I'm willing to surrender that shortcoming to God. So when I catch myself in that place of comparing and coming up short, or either way, is to just surrender that to God and ask for it to be removed um, or even used to his good purposes. Because like somebody else said, Lisa, I think you said it, and I've heard it before that 
my character defects are, are, are characteristics that God gave me and that I have used, misused or misappropriated. And now under the, the service to my higher power and to others, I can use those in more productive ways. So um, time. thank you very much. I really appreciate anyone, everyone being here. And thanks again, Lisa. Thank you so much, Nancy. Next up, we've got Jody S. Hi, everyone. Jody, recovering compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here. Thank you so much for your lead. I feel like this topic was so appropriate for what's going on for me. I mean, God put this right, right where it belonged for me. Um, the idea of perfectionism and also comparing myself to others. I, you know, I've been, I've recently been struggling. Um, I feel like I've, you know, I want to do this perfectly and I know that I can't do it perfectly. Um, but for me, I'm still trying to figure out what's going to give me the serenity. Um, while I haven't broken any bottom lines, um, I've been working on my fourth step and I've gone to food for ease and comfort. Um, an extra snack here or there, extra of this, extra of that. And again, I'm not something there's ch the chatter is increasing in my, in my brain. So I have a hard time, you know, differentiating what's perfectionism and what's going to give me the serenity where, where am I going to find the peace? Um, so I'm on my fourth step and, you know, I've gone, I've used food for ease and comfort. So the question that's coming up now with my sponsor, um, is do I go back to the first step? Um, and I've really been trying to sit with my higher power on this, um, connect with God with skin, um, and see what is going to give me, I, cause I want recovery. I want freedom. And right now I'm not experiencing the freedom. Um, you know, I know this is for me, it's a journey more continues to be revealed. I'm finding out what works and what doesn't work for me. Um, but I just, I don't know. I have some fear of like going back. I just want to keep going forward. Um, so if anyone has any experience, strength and hope, please reach out to me. Um, I would love to connect, um, you know, because I compare myself to others that my abstinence looks different than others. And, and I keep forgetting that like one person's abstinence will kill me and my abstinence could kill someone else. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is I want freedom between the ears. You know, I want to live happy, joyous and free. And I've experienced that. And I know what's going on right now for today. Well, actually today I felt pretty free, but yesterday I did not feel the freedom. And I just, you know, I want to live life differently and, um, yeah, I would love to connect with all of you. So thanks. Thank you, Jody. So glad that you're here. Please stick around afterwards. We have a little after meeting. Um, oh, there's the timer. And next up will be Melissa P. Cool. Thank you. And we can also stop the recording, Melissa, please. Um, because it's 10 minutes off, not because.